So good morning, everybody. I hope you slept well last night. So it's beginning of the retreat. The key word for this retreat is mindfulness, awareness. When I use these terms, mindfulness, awareness, consciousness, they're all the same. I don't, they're not like any great difference between the definition. What it is, this is the, this is the door to the deathless. When we talk about Dhamma, when we talk about the, just the word Dhamma, it's the deathless reality. And the door to this, each one of us can go through to realize this deathless reality, to realize Dhamma is mindfulness. So in, uh, when the Buddha was in, was enlightened, he made the pronouncement, Aparuta, this is a Pali phrase which really inspired me many years ago. It says, Aparuta desang amatasa taura, the gate, the door to the deathless is open. Trust in this in this awareness. So when people ask me what I teach, you know, do I have a method or a particular style, I generally say trust in awareness, in mindfulness, because ultimately that's the only trustworthy possibility we have at this time, as human individuals. <clears throat> then there's the Dhammapada, one on mindfulness, Upamado Amatabhadang. Mindfulness is the way to the deathless. Amatapadang is a, you know, it's a, Padang is usually translated as path, amata is deathless. Appamado amata padang, mindfulness is the path, is the way to the deathless. Pamado machuno padang, heedlessness, not being mindful, not being aware, is the path to death. So death is the reality we face in terms of the end of our lives, the span of this uh, body that we identify with, is born, what is born dies, what begins ends, what arises ceases, what comes must go. So in terms of language, perception and so forth, our we, when we identify with the, the, with that which is going to die or end or cease or depart, then we suffer because we're not a, a physical body. We're not, even though you believe that you are your physical body, actually you're not. A physical body is like all the other, like the trees, the, the animals, it's, it was born and will die. And because we're so attached to the, to believing that we, our limitation is through just identifying, clinging, and believing that we are this physical form, male or female, then we suffer, which is the first noble truth. 
because we're not actually that. So what are we at this very moment if we're not a physical body, we're not a man or a woman, we're not young or old, we're not Asian or European? What is it that is ultimately real for all of us at this very moment that we're sitting here in this sala is awareness, consciousness. So consciousness is not conditioned. It's not something that begins and ends, born is born and dies, comes and goes. So when we talk about, when I talk about consciousness, translated into Pali, vinyana or jitta, jitta vinyana, I'm talking about the deathless that you're experiencing right now. The reality of this moment is you know you're conscious. As I referred last night to the fact that if I asked any one of you or all of you whether you're conscious or not, you don't have to ask somebody else whether you are, you know right at this moment, the moment I ask, that you're conscious. So consciousness is the reality of this moment that isn't a condition that we create. We don't create it. We don't identify with it. We identify with the conditions, the physical body, with our thoughts, with our memories. We identify with our feelings, our emotions, what we sense through seeing, through hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. We identify with all that is mortal and impermanent. And then we wonder why we suffer, because we're, we're attached to the changing conditions that we're experiencing through consciousness. So on this retreat, you know, the emphasis is beginning to, is encouragement, a direct pointing at ultimate reality. So you begin to identify with what is truly real, which isn't about birth and death, which isn't about male or female, about good and bad, right and wrong. And that is the consciousness we're all experiencing. This consciousness at this moment is unitive. It's one. It's not mine. I can't claim it as, you know, separate, that it's in me. We tend to believe that consciousness is, is in the body, inside us. So this is the, one of the basic delusions I'm challenging at this time on this retreat, that the belief that consciousness is personal, it's contained, limited by your physical body, because it's not that way. In terms of Dhamma, consciousness has no dimension, it's immeasurable, it's not limited to any single form. It's not not about separateness. It's universal. It's wholeness, it's completeness. And we're all within that one consciousness at this moment. Perfect and complete. And when I ask you if you're conscious, you say, yes, you are. But you can't find it. You can't objectify it, you know, where it is immeasurable, it is invisible, but it's knowing, isn't it? It's the direct knowing. If I ask you, are you conscious, and you, you'll say yes, because you know you are conscious.
So in terms of forms, like each individual in this room is a separate form. So we feel separate from each other. You know, we see each other as objects. We see each other, we hear each other and so forth. So through the senses, the senses are about good and bad, right and wrong, pleasant, unpleasant, beautiful, ugly. The sensual realm, the sense realm, the conditioned realm is all about differences, about sizes, shapes, forms, good and bad, right and wrong, true and false. Heaven and hell, birth and death. So the Buddha made the statements, the pe-sankara-anicca, all conditions are impermanent. And in this word sankara, it's a Pali word, means condition or phenomena. A phenomenon, a condition, is something that is born and dies, begins and ends, arises and ceases, comes and goes. It can have qualities of being heavenly or hellish or good or bad, male or female. Conditions, sankharas, are about impermanence. Sapesankaranicca. Anicca is the Pali word for impermanent. Now this is the, the brilliant method of the Buddha who established this teaching 2,562 years ago in India. So it's not like a modern teaching, it's a wisdom teaching. And it's pointing to the impermanency of this realm that we're experiencing through these mortal forms that we identify with. So we, it makes it very easy for all of us because the condition realm is what, what we believe, what we experience, what we identify with. You know, just the sensitivity of your own form, of your human body. It's too cold or too hot, it's just right. Pleasure, uh, pleasant feelings, sensations or painful ones. What you see, you know, depends on the conditions, whether it's beautiful, pleasant, or ugly, or unpleasant. Same with hearing. You hear, you know, beautiful music, or the sound of nature, the wind, the birds, the rain on the roof, or cacophonous noises of machinery. Odors, pleasant, unpleasant odors. We're constantly impinged on on the on the sense plane this realm is about sensitivity which is not just going to be pleasant it's about pleasant unpleasant good bad right and wrong but what is transcends what our real refuge is on this retreat is not in trying to make everything pleasant, trying to control the situation, trying to make it all just right so that we, we feel comfortable, we feel relaxed, we feel happy, what, everything is, is what we want, because that's not possible in, in life. Because of the sape sankaranicca, all conditions are impermanent. You can't control that. You can't have no way to, to make everything that you want and that pleases you permanent. So, why take refuge in the sankharas, in any sankhara, 
just seeking for happiness, for security, for stability, for love, for permanent relationships with loving relationships with somebody else, with with uh, that which is beautiful and pleasant to see and hear, smell, taste, touch. So we reflect on impermanence. The Pesankaranicca, all conditions are impermanent. Sankaras are anicca, they're impermanent. So that's everything. Everything, because that's what we're experiencing now. The physical body is impermanent. Seeing is impermanent. Hearing is impermanent. Smelling is impermanent. Tasting is impermanent. Physical sensations are impermanent. But what is permanent at this very moment? What isn't impermanent? is awareness, is consciousness, jitta-vinyana. And that's mindfulness. So one sankhara can't know another sankhara. You know, so it's impossible for a sankhara to know anything. It's impossible to... the. We, we, you know, we're thinking creatures, human beings, we're, we're thinkers. We, we have this reflective thinking ability. We have language, we have memory. We have this retentive memory, so we remember the past. We can imagine the future. But mindfulness is here and now. It's not about being mindful in the future or going on a 10-day retreat and becoming mindful. Or yesterday you think you were heedless and you weren't mindful. You That's a memory that arises here and now. Or imagine tomorrow that you will be have, be continually mindful. We tend to create perceptions of mindfulness, create ideas of mindfulness. They're words, they're thoughts that come and go, they're all sankharas. Every thought, even the word itself, mindfulness, jitta-vinyana, they're all sankharas. All words are sankharas. All thoughts are sankharas. But mindfulness is knowing direct knowing. Consciousness is the knowing here and now, it's like this. So reflect on this at this moment, just this, the, the state of just how you feel emotionally right now at this moment. I encourage you to, to take the, a few minutes just to observe, to be mindful, aware, of the state of your mind or your emotional reality of this moment is like this. Not to judge it, don't comment about it, whatever it is, pleasant, unpleasant, confused, unconfused, understanding or not. Right now, how you feel emotionally, mentally, you can't control, you you don't created, it's like this. For the next few minutes, just sit and, and don't look around, don't seek things ex- externally, but look inward, the state of mind, the conscious, emotional state that you're experiencing here and now. Be the knower, be the knowing itself. Not the critic, like we tend to align knowing with with, uh, thinking. And thinking is a critical function. It's a sankhara, 
All thoughts are sankharas. They're about good and bad, right and wrong, true and false. So thinking is, you know, is a it criticizes. This is big. This is small. This is better. This is worse. This is desirable. This is undesirable. The thinking process is about, you know, size, shape, color, quality, form. Which can you can imagine anything into you know anything through thinking, the fantasy worlds, the dream worlds, the tomorrows we plan, our our imaginations, our images that we create through thinking. So like when we think of the future, we think of a holiday, and we imagine, you know, having a pleasant holiday in some resort, in Thailand. That's imagination. We remember yesterday when you arrived here at Putarafa Resort. What is that right now? Yesterday is a memory that it's a sankara. Memories are sankaras. Imagination, fantasy. When we think of the future, we also think with dread, you know. When we think about politics or economics or social development or our own life, getting old. We think about death. We imagine. We create images of dying. That's imagination, that's sankara. So memories of the past, you know, when you think, when you remember when you were a young child, five-year-old girl or boy, or you remember, have memories when you were 10 or 15, 20, 30, 40, and so forth. All those memories are sankaras. And the knower, this knowing of sankharas, is mindfulness. It's not grasping sankharas anymore. It's reflecting on them. When we grasp sankharas out of ignorance of Dhamma, out out of heedlessness, not being mindful, then that's the cause of suffering. So when we chant about the Dhamma, we say santitiko, akaliko, ehipasiko, opanaiko, bhajatang, vaitidapo, vinyuhi. We chant that in the morning, the evening, in Pali. Santit, and it's about Dhamma. When we, the reflections on the Dhamma, on reality. So, santitiko, apparent here and now, translated into English, it's here and now. So, what's here and now that is deathless, that is apparent wherever you are, whatever state you're, whether you're healthy or unhealthy, young or old, male or female, santitiko dhamma, apparent here and now is consciousness. That's apparent for each one of us. Here and now, because it's here and now, it's not created, you don't create it. It's not about good, bad, right and wrong. It's not a thought, not an image you you imagine. It's a knowing. Apparent here and now, santitiko, akaliko, timeless, akalika dhamma. Try to imagine timelessness, 
See if you can imagine anything, create any image of timelessness. You can't do it. The, the thoughts are about time. They're sankaras, they have a beginning and ending. Timelessness has no beginning or ending. Or ending. It's not past or, or the future, which at this moment, for each one of us, the past is a memory, the future is imagination. But here and now, it's santitiko akalika dhamma, timeless. And when you reflect on your life, you realize there's only akalika dhamma. You're only here and now, you know. No matter how long you've lived and how much you've experienced, experience is always now. It's not the future, it's not the past. Experiences of the past are memories. Possible experiences in the future are Im images. But the reality that you're of here and now is knowing, it's like this. Then we chant, Ehipasiko Dhamma. Come and see. So it's like Ehipasiko Pali kind of invitation or encouragement. Wake up. It's like, wake up and see for yourself. Don't believe what I'm saying. It's just, you know, so this kind of Ehi word means come and see or an invitation, an encouragement to be aware, to trust awareness. Upanayaka Dhamma, leading inward. We're not seeking truth outwards through the senses. We're not f trying to find Dhamma as some object that we can see, hear, smell, taste, touch, define, imagine. Dhamma isn't an image. It has no quality, it's the knowing that we're experiencing here and now. So the direction in meditation usually is to stop looking outward, seeking, you know, through thinking. Thinking is always going out to imagining, trying to grasp ideas, trying to become, get something you you know, you imagine you'd like to have, you'd like to get samadhi, you'd like to get the jhanas, one would like to get enlightened, become a stream enterer, one would like to become an arahant or a Buddha. These are thoughts, these are impermanent conditions that we create. So the desire to get something is we're seeking we're imagining something better than here and now that we'd like to get. Or maybe we're trying to get rid of something we have now, bad thoughts, negative thoughts, doubts, worries, depressive feelings, and so forth. We want to get rid of them. Through this process of sensory desire, desire for sense comfort, sense pleasure, sense control, desire for becoming, getting something we don't have right now that we imagine would be better, or trying to get rid of something, feelings, emotions, memories, habits that you don't like, you don't want, you want to get rid of them. These are desires, dunha, that we create. So in my attempts in, in this morning is to, to encourage, to kind of make it, the, you kind of encourage you to trust this awareness that's natural, it's not created, it's not about getting anything, it's not about attaining, 
It's not about getting rid of things. It's, it's the awakening to the reality of knowing, trusting in this direct knowing, not knowing about something. It's not like studying psychology or science or history or art and knowing all about uh, what scientists say, what philosophers have said in the past. It's not knowing about, because that kind of knowledge we have plenty of. We've, we're educated, we've, <clears throat> we've been through schools, universities, we've acquired a lot of knowledge. But that's not knowing. That's acquired sankharas that we've accumulated through memory, through education, through social conditioning, through cultural conditioning, through religious conditioning. But the Dhamma is here and now, apparent here and now, timeless. Encouraging investigation. So, ehi pasiko can, can be translated encouraging investigation. Is it like this wake up and observe the way things really are? And of course, then all sankaras are impermanent, so pay sankaranicha. Then the second important phrase the Buddha pointed to is, Sapetama anatta, all dhamma, reality itself is non-personal, is anatta. So the personalities that we identify with are conditions, they're phenomena. And the personality changes according to conditions. For example, when you're feeling healthy, vigorous, your personality is, follows that. It's happy. When you're, when it's cold and wet, depressing, then your personality becomes depressed. The sense of personality is very changeable. If people praise you, you receive accolades, prizes, compliments, Flattery, then we feel one way when we're being criticized or blamed or rejected or despised, we feel another way. Your, your personality is not permanent and it's not what you really are. But no matter what your personality is doing, whether it's happy or sad, elated or depressed, bored, confused, there's a knowing, isn't it? Right at this very moment. Mindful, aware of the emotional state, the mental state you're experiencing is like this. Notice that these words in English, it's like this. They're, they're, they're words, they're sankaras, but they're non-descriptive. They're not describing anything or evaluating anything. It's not about how your feeling is right or wrong or normal or abnormal or whatever, it's, it's like this. Confusion is like this. Interest is like this. Boredom is like this. So in, uh, in Pali, we have a, a word, datta, datta-da, which means like this. It's like this. Or in Thai, you say ben yang niang. So it's not, it's a noting. It's using the thinking process to just notice, to pay attention, not to just discriminate, describe love or hate, whatever you're feeling is, but it is the way it is. Because at this moment you can only feel the way you're feeling, whether you, approve or like it or don't like it, it's like this. And this is what you trust, learn to trust this awareness. So last evening, 
When you took the three refuges, Bhutang Sarnangachami, Tamang Sarnangachami, Sankhang Sarnangachami, it's this knowing. It's not an imagined Buddha refuge. It's not an imagined Dhamma refuge. It's not an imagined Sangha refuge. It is the refuge of awareness here and now. So now I encourage you just to sit and and have this sense of relaxed attention, not striving that you've got to get something. You know, it's not about attaining and getting rid of and controlling, but trusting in the awareness, being aware of the breath, because the bodies were all breathing at this time. So the next few minutes, just be aware of the Inhalation is like this, exhalation is like this. Not commenting on the inhalation or exhalation, just noticing, being mindful of this natural phenomenon of breathing. Being aware of the feeling at the nostrils, where you feel the, the, the breath, inhaling, exhaling. If your mind wanders, just recognize when you're thinking about wandering off somewhere else. Bring it back to the inhalation, exhalation at the nostrils. You can repeat to yourself, inhalation is like this. Just so it, you're informing the way it is. Exhalation is like this. So it's this direct knowing when they talk about mindfulness. Something that's happening right now, it's not knowing about breathing, is it? You don't need a description uh, or me to describe or define breathing. It's a direct knowing, observing, witnessing. Inhaling is like this, exhaling is like this. Even if you're thinking, your mind's wandering, there's knowing. You know, you're thinking about something. That's mindfulness also, awareness of thinking. So mindfulness is, you know, it's constant. It's with us. It's timeless. 
So being aware of objects, what we see, you're mindful of, of the Buddha Rupa behind me. Mind, you're aware of me as a, as an object of sight. That's awareness. But the awareness that we identify with is always seeking objects. The world we create, the imaginary world that we live in and experience is created through thoughts, through, through judgments, through memories, images. So mindfulness of the breath, inhalation is like this. You're not creating anything. You're just aware of the way it is. I'm not asking you to breathe or inhale for a long time or a short time or whatever you're experiencing. Inhalation, that's direct knowing. It's not knowing about, it's direct knowing. So, Alpanayakadama, it's inward, isn't it? We're getting, we're not seeking to know about things externally. We're getting closer just by observing the breath of our, of this physical body that we call ourself. Then just observe the posture, just the sitting posture. There's four postures that we use throughout the day and night. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down. So wherever we are, the body is here and now, isn't it? Whether we're sitting, standing, walking, or lying down, so the body is here and now. The breathing is here and now. But it's sankaras. Their body changes. Is born, grows up, gets old and dies. The breathing is impermanent. It Inhalation, exhalation, there's no permanent inhalation, permanent exhalation. But the knowing, that's our refuges in this witnessing, this puto. In Thailand, the Thai forest tradition usually uses the mantra, Bhutto, the Buddha's name is actually Bhutto, the, the name of the Buddha, which means awareness. Puru, the knowing. Knowing, Rupatuban. The nature of the thinking mind is to wander. <clears throat> Thought is of a wandering condition. 
you know, so it, it, that's its very nature. So when we, you know, we're so conditioned, so habituated to thinking and defining, giving names to things, reality for us, we have to name it for it to be real. We have to define it, describe it, But that's just the, the nature of thinking. Thinking is, does that. It's a, it's a habit that we develop after we're born. No baby, no, we were, none of us were born thinking in any language whatsoever. But a newborn baby is conscious. And, and it has a human form an infantile, infant's form. But the consciousness is universal consciousness. It's not a, a kind of separate baby's consciousness. But it hasn't learned to think yet or describe itself as male or female, Thai or American or anything like that. It has no nationality, no no sense of its separate self, its self-worth. Consciousness is pure. Consciousness is perfection. So the same consciousness that a baby has, when you were a, a newborn baby, it's the same. It's not changing. It doesn't be, consciousness doesn't, grow up, get old, get sick and die. So what you remember when you were a teenager, when you were five years old, teenager, 20, 30, 40, 50, the consciousness is the permanent reality that doesn't change. The forms change, you know, from a baby's form dependent on the mother, totally dependent for survival on the mother. So the forms change, it grows up, is educated, socially conditioned, culturally conditioned, religiously conditioned, like your computer, you know, we get conditioned, like we program computers. But consciousness is unconditioned, and that remains unconditioned. It's not personal, it's not male or female, it's not Thai, it's not American. So when we begin to realize the profundity of this teaching, you know, our true nature, you know, it's the end of fear, end of delusion. It's where everything ceases, but consciousness itself, the Amata Dhamma, ultimate reality. When we're caught in the sankharas as our world that we live in, then it's always, there's always dangers, there's a lot of fear, a lot of resentment. There's hope and then there's dread, you know, you hope for the best, dread that everything's going to go wrong. The sankharas are like that, you know, we, they, they create, you know, when we attach to them out of ignorance, out of not trusting awareness, then we, we, this is the cause of suffering, the first noble truth.
I think, you know, this is, you know, something that we have insight into, because I'm pointing to reality, not to just ideas uh, that I have personally. Dhamma is reality, so I'm pointing at Dhamma, not at a kind of Ajahn Sumedho's take on Dhamma. You know, it's in the morning chanting, evening chanting, it's all there, Four Noble Truths. It's not mystery, it's not a personal teaching. So like the the kind of beauty of the, the Buddha's teaching is it's very direct. You know, it's not, it, that's why it, it it's usable, why it's practical even to this day, even though it's considered an ancient teaching. Like Buddhism is considered by modern humanity as an ancient religion. You know, so in terms of memory, identity, the conditioned view of Buddhism, it's an ancient religion. And so many people ask themselves, why after all these years it's been around for 2,500 years, why have Westerners, Europeans, Americans, why have they suddenly become interested in this ancient religion from India? Why? Because it's about, you know, Times have changed, there's modern life, there's technology, there's science, there's democracy, there's modern religions, you know, up-to-date religions. People ask me this, you know, in, in England or the United States, why do, you, why do you go to some kind of ancient teaching when there's modern science, modern psychology? modern mindfulness practices, why why do you go to this very ancient form, the Theravada style of Buddhism? But notice the teaching is timeless. The Four Noble Truths isn't about ancient Indian culture. It's not about a religion of the past or some kind of Asian religion that had meaning, you know, 2,500 years ago. But what can it offer to modern, sophisticated, Western scientists, psychologists, philosophers? What does it have to offer in, in the modern world? And it is this simple teaching Timeless teaching of the Four Noble Truths, like suffering is not about ancient India, it's about how people suffered 2,500 years ago. It's about the reality of our own worries, anxieties, fears, guilt, remorse. These are common now, so it's timeless. It's not, you know, it's it's not uh, it's it's not a demanding religion. There's no doctrine to it, like you have to believe. It has no metaphysical doctrinal position. So it's not demanding that you believe in Dhamma or believe in Buddha. Because the Buddha's first sermon after enlightenment was not about belief. Belief is something you have to acquire. It's a sankhara. All beliefs are sankharas. They're phenomenon. So when I talk about direct, So when we look at the first noble truth, we're not trying to find out why we suffer. It's not about why there's suffering, why I have to suffer. It's suffering is like this. 
So you, you're looking at yourself and your own thoughts or memories, fears, guilt, regrets, remorse. You're looking at your hopes or dread for the future that you, that you create, that you're experiencing. So it's Upanayaka, looking inward, being the puto, puruna, knowing. And that's what consciousness is. It's not a kind of zombie state of kind of blankness. It's a alert, bright, luminous knowing. It's like this. So Buddhism as a religion some people in like in England used to say it's not a religion it's a humanistic philosophy you know most religions have metaphysical positions beliefs in like in god or in something that you know, is high, that is, that is uh, not available, not, you can't objectify, you can't find it, but you have to believe. <laughs> so that's, belief is something, you know, that is imagined. It's given to us. We're given beliefs. We create beliefs. But what isn't a belief at this moment? It isn't, it's like the breathing is like this. The emotional, the mental state is like this. It's not about believing in anything about it, but it's, it is the way it is. And this is knowing. It's awareness, non-judgmental, non-discriminating, awareness. And as we trust this, we begin to say that when we see this as a, the only refuge available for any of us at any time, a refuge is a safe place, it's not temporary, not a kind of temporary refuge in a fortress. It's about awareness here and now, recognizing, realizing that your true nature, your true identity is Dhamma, is reality itself, consciousness, rather than the belief that you are the physical body, the belief that your thoughts are what you are, your memories are yours. The physical, the feelings of pleasure, pain, neutral feeling are personal. Everything is taken in the me, the mind, the personal, the identity. That's not a refuge that you can trust. It'll, you know, it just gets complicated and convoluted. So this is uh, enough for now, the remaining time till the meal time. Uh, I've, I'm encouraging Ajahn Asoko to uh, instruct, guide meditation during this retreat. So he's, he's co-teaching this retreat. So in the afternoon, it'll 
encourage a different posture, walking posture, standing and walking. I don't know if he's going to go as far as lying down. <laughs> but the four postures, remember, Iriabot seen the, 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 what is always present, isn't it, here and now, in terms of the physical bodies, and either it's sitting, you know, standing, walking, lying down, there's breathing. These are here and now realities. The, the movement of your own body changes through the day and night. The breathing is, you know, sometimes, you know, pleasant, sometimes unpleasant, but it's, it's, you don't create it, it's not imagined. Posture is not an image or a belief, it's like this. So in basic meditation, you know, you're kind of reflecting on the way it is in terms of the most obvious constant conditioning that we're experiencing, such as the four postures, the breathing, anapanasati, And really question yourself, are you really a physical body? You know, is your consciousness contained within your brain? Is your consciousness have your own physical form? Is there an Ajahn Sumedho consciousness separate from yours? The forms are different. There's Sankaras, but consciousness is not a sankhara. In the in terms of the five khandhas, consciousness, vijnana, is sensory consciousness. When we when we see, we, we usually go out through the senses, through seeing, hearing, smelling, testing, uh, touching, thinking that kind of consciousness that goes outward to, adapt, to attach to phenomena is impermanent. But consciousness itself, invisible, infinite, has no boundary, it's not dependent upon senses, Sensory consciousness arises, ceases in consciousness. So the consciousness through, through just observing, through seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking is impermanent. But in the Pali, the Vinyanang, consciousness, Anidasanang, invisible, Anandang, infinite, Sapadopabang, apparent here and now, being, awareness. Consciousness is no boundary, so it's impersonal. So you begin to recognize pure consciousness, vinyanang, anidasanang, anandang, sapadopabang, consciousness knowing itself. Consciousness not seeking knowledge through the senses, but knowing itself. That's the third noble truth. The, the end of suffering. Niroda is the realization of consciousness knowing itself. It's no longer identified with objects of sense. So the Practice is letting go of sankharas, recognizing sankharas, letting go of them. So there's nothing left to grasp. What's left when there's no grasping, no upadana? It's jit-hen-jit, consciousness knowing itself. Awareness, uh, being aware of awareness. <clears throat>